Hi, welcome to another episode of the Finnish Football Show. Thank you for joining me and Mark and Rich for episode two. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hi, Rich. Hello. Um, before we, we get started with this week's Hukayat chat that we've uh, promised you, I just thought I'd give a couple of couple of stats from the first episode. We were We were really impressed with how many people tuned in um, and we had sort of 30 to 40 people watching us sort of at any one time. Uh, I just had a little look at the at the statistics and we had uh, like 125 people watching in total during that first episode um, and 111 replays. So, you know, I think the very first thing I need to do is, is give a bit of love to my to my co-presenters here. And all the rest of you listening, you can see in the on the screen, in the bottom corner of each of the little pictures um, is uh, some hands, hands like that. We're not worthy hands. Um, so if you like what you're listening to, click on the hands and, um, and give us some love. It all came rather late last time, but you can do it all the way through the show. We don't mind at all. So remember also uh, hang around to the end of the recording um, we'll do a little bit of off the record chat that'll be stuff that's just for those of us that are now listening and, and watching live uh, it won't be included in the in the podcast and who knows where that might lead us to I think last time as soon as that started Mark cracked open a beer so if you want to see a, a, a man drinking beer then you know hang around to the end um, you can you can make some comments on the screen on the on the right hand side of the screen you can make comments and ask questions while while things are going on or use the the fantastic hashtag of FFS, sorry, FFS2, um, and we'll try and pick up those questions and comments on um, on Twitter as well. Um, the podcast is uh, is coming in a few days' time, and it won't take as long this time as it took last time. It's always a, a, a bit longer to get the thing set up in the first place than uh, than the following episode, so that will be there pretty pretty damn quickly. And Can I jump in as well? So on the on Twitter, on the hashtag FFS2, um, I've also put out what's my kind of preferred starting 11 for the Iceland game uh, next season, next September 2016. So if you want to check it out, go there uh, for the hashtag FFS2. Uh, and then if you want, reply, send me yours. Let's, uh, let's see how it looks. Now that picture is beautifully geeky. What, what did you use the original football manager to put that Sense, together? It's, it's, soccer, isn't it? Boom. That's right. 1994. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> it's great. It looks, one, that's one for the teenagers. It looks like the, uh, the Teletext TV um, website that, that you, you see people putting the, the league table and the football results on Facebook. So good, good work. Good work. Um, thank, thanks to everyone that, that, that watched us last time. We've had a lot of kind words afterwards and I've received at least one gift. Did anyone else receive a gift from our adoring audience? Gift? Yeah, I don't know. Did anyone send you any gifts or was it just me? I, I, I mean, it's difficult to tell. I get a lot of underwear in the post generally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want underwear from any of those guys that are watching us now. <laughs> sure. I, I'd just say then to Keke, thank you very much. He sent me a little um, fanzine that he's written for. So that was, oh, was, that uh, the, that was very uh, nice and a good read. Copy of Stand, was it? The Stand, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah good stuff. So how about we crack on with this week's episode? We, we promised a bit of talk about... 
uh, Hukayat. Um, but first of all, thought we would each of us just pick out a, a news story, something that's been going on in the world of Finnish football over the last sort of three or four weeks. So, Rich, we didn't we, we didn't get any word from you beforehand of what what your news story might be. Do you have something for us? Um, yeah, sorry, work was one of those uh, crazy things today. Um, it's today was sort of you see the groups for the Liga Cup for the new season. Um, they've changed the format again. And uh, the League Cup in Finland is basically, for those who aren't watching, um, it's only for the Veikkaus League clubs, not like the English League Cup, for example, where there's 92 teams. Uh, these teams, they split into groups. This year, it's, it's two groups of six, isn't it? And they um, there's two or three home games and then two or three away games. And then the top two teams go into semi-finals and a final. Um, it's notoriously difficult to see how things go as a result because it's played over about two and a half, three months. You've got uh, last year, I think, La- did Lati win it last year? I can't, oh, no. Oikor won it last year, didn't they? Um, yeah. But in the past, you you know, the teams can feel trialists and it's all, you know, you hear these strange exotic names who once played in the English League Two or someone in Scotland. Um, Asikov won it recently. Uh, Yoyokov won it about three years ago and then promptly got relegated. So it was... Um, Inter, I think Inter won it as well not, not too long ago. Yeah. Um, so that kicks off in January. Um, that's one of the most sort of that gets us warmed up nicely for the new season and the start of the Finnish Cup as well. Yeah, I've always thought of it as being a bit of a warm-up competition for the for the whole season. It's sort of indoors and um, and before the season, all over pretty much before the season starts. So, um, yeah. but it, it deserves some it deserves some respect in itself. It's silverware, and I think that nowadays we shouldn't be uh, we should be taking all of these cup competitions as seriously as each other. Yeah, gets you into Europe, doesn't it? Um, I don't, <laughs> not so uh, sure about that. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> not that one. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's um, it's a good sort of to see where the teams are shaping up. A lot of them, who a lot of them have started doing their business early, um, and a lot of them leave it to the last minute. You see, it's a uh, very interesting, and it, you would never dream of using it to predict how the league table is going to go. So it's um. It's uh, something a little bit different, anyway. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and what about you, Mark? What, what caught your eye recently? Well, I was, I was going. I wanted to talk about Kasper Hamelainen because he was on, he's, uh, he's in on fire in, in the Polish leagues. But I'm going to have to bench him because did anybody see the Europa League draw today? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, same thing. Bits. So the knockout, so the knockout round for the Europa League draw puts Midtjylland and Tim Sparv against Man United. <laughs> and uh, which is sorry for, and for those uh, in the podcast that was a get in moment <laughs> and uh, it, and um, Mulde play Sevilla which is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jona Toivio uh, against Gary Neville yeah, at, okay. uh, in, his, in his new job which oh. I think is brilliant because it's one of those things that you look at it and it's kind of I, I feel a bit like probably like Wimbledon would do in uh, like in the FA Cup because especially Midtjylland, they've picked up the like that's a huge draw, and Man U at the minute they've not won in five. They're not kind of not setting anybody alight. 
Van Hal's getting a bit of stick. I just think that uh, if there was if there was a time to play Manu in Europe, this is it. And Rich, I saw that you tweeted about it earlier, and Ollie in the message room there has said that Tim Spav is a Man United fan. Yeah, he'd uh, tweeted. Oh, sorry, Tim had tweeted last week after Michelin got through the group stage that he really wanted Man United. Uh, when I yeah. spoke, I spoke to him. We did an interview. I think it was at the end of last year. And he talked about how he was a big Manchester United fan and he's already had that return home when he played Southampton in the qualifying round. And now he gets to well, play. The, yeah, yeah he, so he, he said he wanted, he wanted Southampton in the, in the qualifiers for the Europa League and he got them and then he scored that absolute yeah. thunderbolt. So one more time, Tim. <laughs> so I'll be uh, wanting his lottery numbers anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I the, the one thing that caught my eye. I'm, I must say that last on the on the first episode, I, I made the point of of saying to people that they should check out uh, Rich's blog, which is escapedosuomi.com, and also Mark, you called yours a fan site, which is fcsuomi.com. And since then, I've spent a lot more time on there, um, being a loyal new friend. But also, this is this is helping me learn about Finnish football. I've been, I've been over here a few years watching Asiko and not really paying much attention to what goes on all around me. So this is good for my education as well. So thanks, thanks for that, guys. And I'd, I'd suggest that anyone else who is less well-versed in Finnish football should head over there, you know, every, every few days, certainly to Mark's site and, uh, and see the news that's coming through. We get these little updates on, on what the, the Finnish players overseas are up to. And that's... Um, yeah, it's good. It's good to uh, to watch that. Um, my the, the the news story that caught my eye actually, I, I got it from from Ule News from the state broadcaster, and it was about um, Moshtag Yagubi Mossa, as we we talked about him last in the last episode about his uh, his football ability, and we. We talked about um, what, what he's been doing for, for Rops and, and whatever. Um, but there was a story in the, in the news just in the last week or so um, about, about Mossa saying that he's been playing for the under-21s and he's had some experiences with, with racism in generally in society, not necessarily in Finnish football, and it's making him question whether he wants to play for the national team. Oh, hang on, hang on. Dog. That has nothing to do with Mossa or the, uh, for those listening without visual, uh, the, the studio has been invaded by a canine. Uh, it has. I, I think I'll cut this out of the, uh, of the, the podcast and we can put it in as a blooper at the end. Oh, dog, <laughs> dog saw a fox in the garden. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I would behave the same way if I saw a fox in the garden as well. <laughs> Just a different kind of fox. Um, yeah. So I was I was just saying, Rich, about uh, Mossa and his his comments about not knowing if he really wants to play for the the full national team because of yeah. the, the the experiences he's had in in society over here. Yeah, I mean it's a shame because he um, he's obviously a very talented boy, and and he said he'd been over from Afghanistan for was it nine or ten years, you know, and while you know I, I know there's he's said that he's experienced racism. Um, it'll be interesting to know a little bit more about that because, you know, it's it's a sad sort of state of affairs when you read the stories in the news about, 
various asylum seeker this and refugee camps that. Um, it'd be nice to know a little bit more about it. But, um, I mean, it'd be a massive shame if if he did decide that after, you know, 10 years in the country, he wanted to actually play for Afghanistan after all. Particularly with the way that the national team actually responded to the crisis. I mean, if you, if you remember the end of the campaign, yeah. uh, it was the games, I think, against against Northern Ireland when they had refugees welcome. In the like in the oh no it was Faroe Islands it was the was the first game, and it was it was organised by Sparv and by Burpa uh, Heitamai, so uh, you know there's a lot of particularly in Finnish football there's a lot of good kind of good intentions out there. Yeah, you know? I think throughout the age groups you've got a lot of players of different backgrounds. You know that people have come from you know there've been a, an influx of people from sort of. Kosovo, Albania, Yugoslavia, and various others. And it's the same with international football all over the world, where the world's getting smaller and people are now starting to get first, second, third generation immigrants are coming through and playing for those countries. Um, I'm, you know, now even playing for England, it's quite, it's becoming more commonplace. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it resonated with me a little bit because at the weekend my my son sings in this kind of youth choir and they did a, sh- a series of shows on Saturday they kind of did a, a mini tour of Senayoki um, but one of those was for the um, for the refugees that are here in in Senayoki and they're they're living I don't know less than a kilometer as the crow flies from where I am right now and there were a lot of young boys there and I got I, I just thought I'm gonna go and chat to them and I went down the row. There was about 10 of them sitting down until I found the one that spoke some English. And then as soon as I started chatting, then all the others crowded round and they wanted to talk. And I just got the impression that these young boys are a bit bored and could, yeah. and you know, they, they would like to, they'd like to go to school and they'd like to learn stuff and, and probably playing football and playing Sally Bandy and, and other kind of, and maybe in the summertime, uh, Pesapalo as well. Actually, there's, there's a way for, for the, the sort of sports clubs and, and organisations in, in every town that has refugees there to kind of reach out and really try and build some bridges rather than just seeing the stories that, that are quite prevalent in the news of, of sort of fires, suspicious fires at, at ref reception centres and things like that, which is not not representative of how everyone in Finland feels. I, I know that much. Yeah. I think it's um, where that's part of the thing about sport is that, you know, everyone from every country can play football and even some of the other sports like the bandy and the baseball there while they're a little bit more niche to finland there's still something that they help people integrate they help people to meet people and even pick up a little bit of the language um you know and even ac oblu have given a trial to a young iraqi Um, to the young Iraqi lad who came over for the reception centre, you know, and you think, well, that sort of thing is great, you know, because if this young kid, you know, you'll only have a trial at the moment, but what a good advert that will be. Someone who's come from, you know, a place like Iraq, he's come to Oulu, which is a world away, and, uh, you know, he may get a crack at playing football. (laughs) I've... Mrs. Mrs. W's just come through the door, so my dog is now scampering around the house and growling. That'll calm, <laughs> that'll calm down in a minute. Um, 
we let, let's let's move on and, and maybe a little bit of light, a little bit lighter subject uh, to talk about the Ukiyat. And we've used this name a few times in in the last show as well. And so I decided there's probably other people watching this that don't really understand where that name came from. So I did a little bit of research. So this is where I can I can bring something to this conversation. Um, it, it basically it it just it translates. Um, literally as the eagle owls. Um, and it's, uh, it, it just made me think how each of the Finnish um, sports teams have got their, have got their nickname and each, each one clearly has a different nickname. So there's the, the hockey team, which is the Leonat, the Lions, and the basketball team, which is Susuyengi, the, uh, the wolf pack, I guess is the, is the best translation. So maybe those guys that are watching, hit, hit us with a few more, uh, if there's any more nicknames for some of the, the national teams that we don't, we don't know about. Um, but for the, uh, anyone listening that's not so well-versed with Finnish football, if you hear the word, who, 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 <laughs> I can't say it now, who kayat. Who kayat. <laughs> then sometimes my fat English tongue just can't quite wrap around these Finnish words, no matter how hard I practice. So um, that's what we're referring to. We're referring to the to the Finnish national team. Um, how about if we start, first of all, just with a little bit of a, a kind of summary of the Euro 2016 uh, campaign? I think, Mark, you've probably got something to, to sort of start us off there. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I do. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I didn't quite catch what you said, but, um, I don't know this for the last qualification one. I don't want to pick, pick the bones out of it too much. because I think it's been done, you know, to death a, a lot. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of the blame lands at, at Mixu's door. And I think sometimes maybe that's a bit unfortunate, but I mean, when the groups got, got drawn, uh, back in, I think it was February, 2014, I think every, every Finnish football fan, out there had the same had the same feeling which was <laughs> how are we going to knock how are we going to mess this up because it, it looked like you know the extended format meant top two went through the third place team got uh, got to the playoffs and um we looked at it i think the stat the, the popular stat at the time was was northern ireland hadn't won a competitive game in two years we'd just beaten hungary uh 2-1 in hungary i think it was uh, maybe a month before or after the draw, Popo Jampalo got his first goal, and you know we had Roman Yarmenko was in the Champs League. Nicholas Moisander was captain of Ajax in the Champs League. It, it looked like you know it looked like everything was rosy in the garden, and then all of a sudden uh, we took kind of the best chance, probably that that, that we've that Finland's ever had to qualify. Blew it away, <laughs> threw threw it away. I mean, it, it's I don't know. I don't, I, 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 there's something I think fundamental in in I don't know if it's Finnish football or Finnish sports in general, but I, I have that. This is going to maybe sound a bit controversial, but the the best way or the easiest way to beat a Finnish person is to tell him he's definitely going to win. Because if you give like that psychological advantage to a Finnish guy, they just can't handle it. If if you if you make it impossible, if you make Finland the underdog, then they fight and fight and fight. But in this in this case, I think there was we went into the group. I think t- too confident, overconfident, and so it yeah. ended ended with um, with kind of glorious failure, or maybe unglorious <laughs> failure. 
Yeah, it was um, like Mark said. You know, it was it's all, it was almost easier not to qualify, and when it, it kind of drilled at home at the weekend when you had the draw for the main finals, you know, and you know, no disrespect because you know everyone earned their right to be there, but you know, when you see the group with Hungary have come out with. Northern Ireland are there, and that's Romania just from Finland's group. You know, there's Albania who'd never made it, Iceland who'd never made it, Wales who hadn't made it in a very long time. They haven't played at Euros before. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's painful because, and it's all, like you say, it's that glorious failure, the bittersweet moment when Finland started playing well. Obviously, the big thing was Mixu going, but Finland started playing a little bit more, you know, the right way. They played the game. They didn't play a system. And it was just, it was horrible because they got the eight points from 12 games, uh, eight points from four games. They were actually very close at the end, but it was just far too, far too much in the, left to do. That last, so that last, the Romania game was when, we went one 0 up. Bohem Palo scored that that beauty. They we worked really well with with Buki on the edge of the box. Buki laid it up and he hit it about twenty yards, arrowed it into the bottom corner. And then I think it was about five or ten minutes later, something like the eightieth minute, when Buki went through and he got hacked down, mm-hmm. and it was a, probably the clearest penalty in history, and uh, it wasn't given. And then they went up the other end, and then ninety, what was it, ninety first minute again. I got, one of the things that constantly frustrates me about Finnish, Finnish football is how often we lose right at the death, right, right, right at the end. Like how frustrating it is to be there so close. I mean, even at one nil, there was still a chance that results could go the other way in the Hungary game, and there was still like a really like tiny glimmer of hope that we could get through. And then, ninetieth minute, everybody, every defender was sat on the back line, and then. Uh, I think it was Moisander who dropped about penalty area deep and the ball was dinked over the top. He played everybody on side and the rest is history. And you think, how can we get so close? Even even after absolutely demolishing our own chances, we got then close enough to get there and then still managed to mess it up again. So in this in this last qualification round, we we, we blew it up twice, which I think, you know, it takes a lot of skill. <laughs> We've um, we've got a couple of people on the message board here um, at Stuge who is saying that with the current crop of players, Finland should either go with a trendy four two three one or a four three three, and then Yuspe fifteen who said I'd go with a four four one one with Eremenko playing in the spot below the striker. So yeah, what, do I mean, you, what do you think about this? The idea of the formation. So Eremenko last year won the uh, RPLs, the Russian Premier League's Player of the Year. And he did it playing in that. He played in a 4-2-3-1 and he played in the central role just behind the striker. And they hit a lot of long balls, a lot of counterattacks. I think it was Musa they had up front who he worked off and worked with. I think he scored 14 goals all told last season from midfield. And that's his, that's his place. I and mean, that's one of, the, one of the frustrations or the biggest frustrations of, of Mixu's reign was that when he played, he played Roma on, a, on the left wing. Or, or, or then really deep in, in central midfield and never put him in that kind of hole where he can get the advantage. So I think they're both they're both right. Stuge, Stuge, four two three one is the way that I would go. I think it's the it's trendy, but it's also one of those ones that you can use very well for counterattacking. Yeah, 
Um, it's funny because it's almost like these guys have seen our agenda where Euro 2016 goes on to tactics. But, um, one of the questions out on Facebook was from uh, our friend Elias again, suggesting that perhaps should Finland play the same system from the youth teams all the way up to the national team in the way that a lot of sort of European club sides do? Or should they play with the players they've got? And you think with the players they've got, you know, they don't have the direct wingers of the late 90s with Johansson and Kolka, you know, and, and you've got to play to your strengths. And I think, you know, while an Arsenal or Barcelona can play the same because they can recruit and they buy players to fit their system rather than the other way round, I think especially at international football, you know, and Finland have got some very good players, you know. But uh, Mark's well, got some... I think- the best the best model for that for that kind of uh, continuous system through the ranks is Belgium. Mm. And Belgium deployed that it was like a 4-3-3 and they played it when they went to the World Cup in 2014 and they did well but they fell short with a very very good team for a, for a pretty simple reason is that they didn't have any fullbacks. So they couldn't protect they couldn't protect themselves from wide areas. And so it's it's kind of a, it's the, the 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 analogy is still true for Finland. I mean we can't if we Mixu did it. Mixu played what was the kind of his developmental football, and when Mixu started, you know, four years ago, that system was the one to go with because we didn't have any width, because our fullbacks were energetic and young, because uh, we had a lot of kind of holding midfield players, and we had a lot of creativity in the top three. So the front three four years ago was uh, Losa, uh, Alexei Yaremenko. Demu Pukki, who at the time was a kind of a, a number 10, more than a center striker or a winger, and then Kappe. And each, the, those three could each play off each other very, very, very well, interchange positions. But as they got older, the, uh, their abilities stopped. So, so Yuka Raitala, who was at Heerenveen, he got older, he didn't play. So when he didn't play, he couldn't get selected. So it was then Yeri Urunen and Karjarkivo. And it, as I said last time, it puts too much pressure on guys who don't have the pace or the engine to go up and down the wings. And by the same token, Roman Yeremenko came through, absolutely, you know, hit, hit Russia by storm. And there was no place for him in that system. Or there was a place where his particular talents and skills weren't used. For me, Finland's just not, it doesn't have enough players to, to be single-minded. Even though, even though single-mindedness is one of the key Finnish characteristics. <laughs> but having 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 the right format uh, or the right uh, formation for the for the players that are available, rather than trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so what was the what was the um, Mixu left? What was the what's the situation being with his replacement? Um, up until the last week or so, I didn't really know too much about who is Hans Wacker. So, yeah. and, and and also talk a little bit about Marku Kanerpa and his role in the in the transition to the new manager as well. Mark, do you want to go on Kanerpa? Kanerpa, um, I, I mean, he's a great. I mean, he's a good. He stepped into the manager's hot seat before. He's a good guy. I think. In a in a in a way, he's he was a bit similar to Mixu in that he picked basically a four four a very narrow four four two from which he could counter attack, um, which again 
it, kind of it was lucky that Roman. I mean, if again, if, if Roman Yarmenko had been fit, he wouldn't have fitted into that system, because or he did had to play out wide or then you know a deep deep line midfielder, and. Um, so I liked his tactics. His tactics did focus on nullifying the threat and then kind of counterattacking to get the best out of the options that we had. But in a similar way to Mixu, he didn't change his tactics. He didn't adapt to the games. At least, at least if he did, I, I didn't really see it in the matches that I went to. And he was he he didn't get lucky. But your Bohem Palo has just been waiting for his chance to get to play up front for Finland. And he's been—he was banging in last season. He was banging the goals in in uh, for Fortuna Düsseldorf in Bundes too. So it was just kind of a matter of time for him to make the step up and then bang a couple of goals in for Finland. Mm. So he was a good—I mean, he's a good choice. Very safe pair of hands during transition. I'm kind of sort of happy that he didn't get to continue, even though he probably earned the right to continue. But hands back, I don't think is a—is not—he's not a big departure from. From uh, Canerva, he's the he's, he has a similar style, similar approach. Well, he's very much a, a student of Sven Goran Eriksson, isn't he? He's uh, certainly been mm. under under his wing for a lot of his career. You know, he followed in. He was at Man City, Notts County, Mexico as well. But then he's had some success in in Denmark, albeit quite a while ago. And he was at uh, New York Red Bulls when actually I went to see him once. And um, to be honest, it's hard to, you know, nothing stood out as a result, you know, that it doesn't look like he's there for this grand tactical evolution that, you know, he's no Guardiola, he's no Mourinho in what he does, but it's almost like now he's there to work with the players that are there, possibly integrate some, you know, some new players over the course of his career. But, you know, you sort of do wonder that, I know that manager isn't really out there, but, well, certainly not within Finland's reach. But, you know, when you look at some of the names of the coaches who were interested, you know, Stuart Pearce, the guy who got sacked from Gibraltar, you know, <laughs> people like that, it's um, it's difficult. And I don't know a great deal about uh, about Bucky. I know uh, a couple of guys in uh, in the States that remember him from when he was at, at uh, New York Red Bulls. And what I got from them is that he's a really good talker. He's a really good media personality. He's kind of a calming influence. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I don't know that much about the MLS or about how Henri was after he left Barcelona, but, but putting up front on his own. Iceland and what it'll be is a Sweden and Iceland team full of kind of Nordic-based players. And again, you know, we'll see a, a squad that's heavily Vekos Liga based, but won't really be a test for the guys that are there. And I, I, for me, I, I can never get my head around how you'd have two, you'd organize two internationals. I mean, they have a deal with FIFA where they can play it and the caps and the goals count for the players, but they don't count. If you get a win, it doesn't count in the FIFA rankings. And it's, I mean, for me, it's it's the most frustrating because you know Germany's got a winter break, Russia's got a winter break, Denmark's got a winter break. In in, in those in those three leagues alone, you can pick up you know Serie A will be off. You can pick up you know ten players from the national team. You don't have to pick the guys that are in you know England that are playing or or the ones like like Thomas Lamb in Holland. You don't have to pick them, but you can pick a selection that has experience and and uh, youth 
you know, and, and the guys maybe from the Vegas Liga that earned their shot. Guys like Mossa, guys like Alexander Coco, who scored a lot of goals. Because, you know, we don't have a great deal of options. And you think, well, this is the time to give somebody like Alexander, to Boris, you know, the shot. This is, somebody, this is the time to give Mossa a shot. But if you're going to put him against a Sweden B team, you're not going to learn anything. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, I think the issue with that is that because it's not a FIFA international date, those clubs that are on winter break, they don't have to release the players. And I think I think that's fine. They don't they don't have to they, they don't have to release the players. But you can still call them up. You know what I mean? That's in in that window. There's teams in Africa. There's teams in there's teams in the Middle East that that arrange friendlies, that arrange games, that that make points, that count for points. Even if you go and thrash, take your A team and thrash Oman six nil. It's better than taking a B team and watching them draw nil nil like we did last year. And it, it's. For me, I mean, it, 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 it sort of speaks to the part of why we're not progressing as, as, a, as a football nation. Because here's a chance to get players together and say, okay, guys, let's, let's try something new. Let's, let's try something out. And, um, you know, like Stuge, Stuge, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I'm sorry. But he says, we need pacey wingers. We have pacey wingers. We have Mika Oyalad at VFR Allen. We've got Riku Riski. I mean, he plays up front for, for Miksu, but he started out life as a, as a winger. Who's he, he's going to go back to Rosenberg, so he's not got a straight future. He needs a game to prove himself. Yeah, that's right. We need to try them out. So, you know, the first thing he needs to do is kind of go back to the Palolito and say, okay, these these training sessions and what will be the squad that goes to next year's Baltic Cup, because the Baltic Cup always gets organized between Estonia and Latvia and, and Lithuania and us, and then maybe somebody else who doesn't make it to the real cup. We never really, again, take a full-strength team. We give guys the summer off. And for me, winning is, it's a mentality, you know, it's something, something you can ingrain in your squad. So we need to start winning and start winning big. Is there a, a opportunity? When is that Baltic Cup? When does it take place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is there an opportunity there for the Bakehouse Liga players to, to get a chance to put a Bakehouse Liga team over there where they're in the middle of, you know, middle of the season and, Peak form, fitness, hopefully. I think they they have done recently. They've um, it's been a bit of a mix of the sort of foreign-based players who are on international breaks, and you know they have named Vakas Liga players there. Um, and it's you know it was a fairly interesting squad for this year. Um, and two, was it last it was two, year it was the one where the coach broke so. down. But uh, do you mean the team uh, bus or the team manager? Yeah, <laughs> Mixer um, was just sweating. Uh, well, both, both probably. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the team bus <laughs> broke down, and they end up getting the fans coach to the game. Um, but um, yeah, and, and it's a good chance. And you know, especially as the next competitive game mm. doesn't start until September, so you know you need to take make the most of these opportunities and you know the under 21s you know occasionally they look like they're on the cusp of something good but then they're not ready to to make the step but it's up a, i mean to, it's a backhanded you know, kind of compliment to the vegas league because because if you've got a cup where you say yeah okay we'll just throw the we'll throw the vegas league guys in there it doesn't it's not the it's not the same as the guys who would earn it means it means you create two squads a Vegas Liga-based squad that's got maybe a bit of youth team, bit of bit of domestic experience, but not the big hitters. 
So they don't learn and train with the likes of Moisander and the likes of Yeremenko and the likes of Heitemai. Um And then you've got the kind of proper team. And that's the part you've got to get away from because you've got to have a squad that, say, that says, okay, this is the national team and we want to win this competition. We're going to put as much as we can. And uh, the problem, so like the, one of the problems that I had with our qualification campaign was guys like Tim Vaudrenin, Eero Markkinen, unfit, not playing, but based abroad, got invited to the squad for competitive games. Whereas guys that were scoring goals in the Vegas Liga didn't get the call up. And you think, well, that's that's... It's because of that segregation between the domestic league and the kind of international players or, or based abroad players that we have this problem that undervalues the Vegas Liga as it is. And I think there's a lot of easy ways to solve it. I think it's just it's just go back to basics and say, look, this is the this is the best squad we have. And if you call people up and they don't go, put it in the paper. <laughs> and, and and you can see then more of a balance between form. Vegas Liga players fitting in alongside the the fit and regularly playing overseas players. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's just we just need to win, and we need to get that fit sort of that feeling where we need to beat it's it's Estonia, <laughs> Latvia, Lithuania. We need to go and beat them. And it, it it doesn't sound you know I know it sounds kind of really simplistic, but. There's nothing, nothing makes nothing uh, begats winning like winning. Alicante in the message board there is saying the international team should use hot players. I presume he's talking about form rather than you know the, the sexiest Finnish players. Yeah. Unless you've got a favourite, Alicante. <laughs> I don't want to see that Nicky Manpower photo again, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's... go ahead. No, you go. No, go. No, no, you. Uh, I was just going to say about Mainpa. He, you know, he's gone to Brighton. There've been so many rumours about his career, and you know, he's gone to Brighton. And last week he played in their under twenty ones. Um, again, you know, it's harder with a goalkeeper, but goalkeepers need to play regularly. Goalkeepers need to play, and we talked about it before with a stockpiling of players at clubs where. You know, a goalkeeper is their whole role is based on confidence and momentum and technique. And if they're not sure of a game, you know, that's why Hradetsky's done so well. You know, he was getting regular games at Bronbourg now in Germany and playing against Lewandowski and Aubameyang and players like that. And he's playing well against these big teams. You know, he deserves to be number one. Maybe not as Alicante suggests, on, a, on an attractiveness scale. But, um, you know, he is playing in the Bundesliga and playing well. He needs to be the number one goalkeeper. And, you know, it's the same with any player. If if they're not playing regularly, if they're, you know, on teams B teams and on loan and not getting that, games. That Northern, the Northern Ireland game you know, that we lost 2-1 in Belfast. Going into uh, big start, the starting centre-backs well. was Moisander and Toivio. Moisander at the time it was March. So Moisander uh, was was kind of being phased out by De Boer because he was getting too old and Ajax don't pay contracts to 29-year-olds anymore. And Toivio had been off because the Norwegian season doesn't start till April and he'd finished in November. So he'd won the league and he was in good form at the end of last year, but he hadn't kicked a ball competitively for four months. And they put him in against Northern Ireland, 
And um, who was the big lad? The big, yeah, the Lafferty had his way with him. Just absolutely, Lafferty. just jumped, ran all over him. Well, and you think, Irish fella. I can't like Yonatovio is a guy that I, I personally like a lot because, it, but he gets a lot of stick for being an unintelligent defender. And at times he can be, but it's also not his fault if he gets put in after not playing for four months competitively against somebody like Lafferty, who's, who's you know, at Windsor Park in front of his home fans, having already scored, I think he'd already scored four or five by that point. It was, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a brainless decision. And, it, and it's right, it follows on for the for, for form players because, I mean, we had, you know, a lot of guys, we had four guys banging, banging the goals in. And Pukki wasn't one of them, and yet Pukki started every game under Mixu. I think that I, I, I saw actually I saw I can't remember who it was I think it was Barbarian was it Barbarian maybe somebody uh, tw- tweeted a post a picture of Mixu when he made his debut I think at Dundee and he looked he had at the time like long flowing blonde locks. And a bit of a like shorter stocky build. He looked at the spit double of uh, of Damo Puki from from his Schalke days. So I think there was there could have been a bit of that, but it's it's true. That's definitely one of the things as well that 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 we need to work on when we go forward. Just picking the guys who are scoring the goals. Before we before we started recording. Uh, today, Mark, you you mentioned uh, about the uh, getting the players and the agents kind of in the right. That's I don't know, what, that's right my frame biggest, of mind. Is that like, what you were thinking? That's my biggest um, source of anger with with Finnish football at the minute. I mean, when Aero Mark and I went to to Real Madrid, and I mentioned this a little bit last time, so I don't want to go on about Aero, but it wasn't a step up in his career in terms of football. I mean, even if you think about when, when Temu Pukki left Schalke, he had to leave Schalke because he needed a new club. And he went to Celtic. And at the time, I thought it was a great move. But then then uh, Neil Lennon went out and said that he was brought in basically to replace Giorgio Samaras. Samaras played again as a target man. And so you're thinking, that can't be right. It can't be right that you, you want him to be that sort of lone striker. And so what happened is what happens is what has happened with, with Demo since basically since Schalke. He went up top as a lone striker. It didn't work out. He got a couple of goals, nothing spectacular, and they sh- shunted him out on the wing. And it's a bit, there's, if I, I mean, Sakkari Mattila, uh, captain at Olsen's, uh mid-table Norwegian league, doing really well, got the dream move to Fulham. I think he's played three times this year. You know, Tim Tim Vauranen, uh he's been bouncing around, and Miko Sumushalo as well. They've been bouncing around the German lower leagues and regional leagues for a couple of years. I mean, it's there's not enough football in the decisions that are getting made. I mean, even like Berat, Berat Sadiq, a lot was made about Berat Sadiq last year, and he was on fire for Thun because Thun played really simple four four one one. They had one. Uh, guy in behind him that had a lot of creativity and they had two two wide players and fullbacks that could hit diagonal balls and he was the basic you, your classic target man and I think he got again the same thing Four, 13, 14 goals in the Swiss League they qualified for the Europa League and he left he went to Krulia Sovetov if I'm absolutely pronouncing that wrong uh, in uh, in Russia and they play I've watched only a handful of their games they play like a really deep 5-3-2 they don't put any wide balls in He's expected to take the ball and hold it up and then redistribute, and he's not scored. I think he's played something like 10 games. 
he's not scored. And you can see why, because he's not getting into the areas where he normally scores from. He's not kind of, he's, they're not playing to his strength. And so you think when they was, when he was signing the deal, did they know, like, were they told that this is how we play? Cause I mean, for sure, I didn't know how Krulia Sovetov played last year <laughs> when they were, when they got promoted from the Russian first division, but there's not enough like football planning going into the, the moves and the transfers that are being made. And I know it's a hard thing, but I mean, the way I look at it, this, this, Finland doesn't have enough players to get it wrong. You know what I mean? Rich Keke in the message board is saying that Markkanen would be number one striker for Finland by now if he had not gone to Madrid. He yeah, stay there. He, I mean, he would be. He was, he was the top player. Uh, I mean, he still is a top player. He's a huge guy. He's good on his feet. He, he's, got, he's surprisingly quick. Um, but they just think the Spanish third division is, even if it's, even if it's under the badge for Real Madrid, it's just nowhere to prove yourself. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got rich out of it. That's for sure. He, he, and him and, and Luthi kind of the agent, they would have got a lot of money for it. And, and I don't begrudge them that either. But there should be something, something in place in the inside the the national side that that says like, I'm not sure that that's the right move for you. Money talks, says Alicante. It does. It does. It yeah, does. But we, th- this is the thing: right. we can't afford. The Finland can't afford that. <laughs> but they say. You know, you look at football now to where it was 20, 25 years ago, yeah. where Lippmann stayed in it in Finland until he was 21, 2021, 20, you know, playing, mm. winning championships. You know, he was playing while doing his army service as well. And, you know, he was already then an adult male, a full-time professional footballer, and then spent a year in Ajax's would say he was in the reserves for a year, but you know mm. he spent a year slowly learning under Van Gaal, and re- he replaced Burkamp. And all of a sudden, you know, admittedly circumstances were different, but he, if Lipman came out now at fifteen, sixteen, he'd be snapped up by someone. And if mm. we're lucky, we m- he may have made it. And you know, quality-wise, yes, he would. But but you think you know humans are so the different sides of their character where some people mm. will flourish in being in a reserve league and a B side. Some people won't. And, you know, there's, it's nice to have the money to fall back on and the agents to get rich. But, you know, I genuinely worry that, you know, who appear Lippmann and may not have made it if they, you know, on talent. Yes, absolutely. But if football, it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? It, football is as yeah. it was now. Oh, uh, do you, do you think that been, this, this phenomenon yeah. of the players going overseas much younger somehow distances them from the from the fans? I wonder if you guys that are, are actually listening on the message board, Yuspe, Keke, Alicante, Stiuge, if you guys think that there's more distance between the, the, the everyday fans and these young players nowadays. I remember seeing this YouTube video of Pochimpalo when he came on and scored a very quick hat-trick and he was 16 years old. And that was the last thing I heard about him until recently when I actually bothered trying to find out what he was up to. And it's from what you're saying, that's not a, not a rare occurrence either. No, I mean, Boy and Palo, he did stay with HJK for another 18 months or so. Um, but yep. Leverkusen, 
it's a, a strange one because they do they have first option on him, but he's on loan at uh, Fortuna at the moment. He was at he was at Ireland last year or the, the year before, and um, you know these big clubs and they're not even. I'm sure some of them are watching Vegas Liga and Ukan and games, but they're watching these kids at you know the under fifteen, under sixteen national team tournaments. You know you think. The under-18s yeah. are playing in a tournament in St. Petersburg next month. <laughs> Three-quarters of that crowd will probably be scouts. And the other quarter will be agents thinking, here we go. You look at um, Kylan, you know, 16 years old, plays for Intertoku, just coming through. You know, he's played a few times towards the second half of the season. Technically very, very good. And he's had a trial with Tottenham. He's at Juventus this week. You know, yeah. these aren't necessarily trials. These are, he's training on, and he's wearing the kit and he's having a, you know. Um, will it make him a better player? Who knows? But, you know, you just, you've got to hope that there's some level for the sake of the national team as well, that he plays regularly in a team that suits him and he develops properly. Because <laughs> still, he's only 16 years old. I mean, when I was 16, you know, you know, going to a going to a foreign country and a foreign culture in a completely different way of life. You know, I don't know what the support structure is going to be like at Juventus. Yeah, but and I mean, think, it's not like like SUK and uh, HJK, Hoyko. They've 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 kind of shown that there's a map, there's a place, like there's a pathway to Europe. You know what I mean? And it, for me, it would be far better for the for for the Finnish talent to stay with Hoyko to get maybe two or three Europa League games, get get us to a group stage. I mean, Finland's kind of golden generation, Lippmanen and Hupia, that came from the, I think it was, was it 93, 94, when they went to the Champs League group stage? Something like that. Forsell was there. I think Chef Kikuchi was still there. They, so about, there was probably about five, five to ten players that kind of got transfers after that achievement. And I think there's no problem. If you're a player and you play hard and train hard and then you achieve something and then you get recognized and move up. That's fine. I think somebody like Jere Urunen now in, in, in Sweden does brilliant in Helsingborg. He can move up. He's, 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 you know, played a good, good, good couple of seasons. He's been reliable. He's good going forward. He's good going back. He's can score goals. You know, he's, it, it's, it's fine for him to move on, but I mean, like Joel Mero went to Water Bremen was put down to the youth team or the B team and then again farmed out on loan a couple of times. He's been unlucky with injuries, but you think he's one of the defensively he was one of the hot prospects. And now he's got a long road back to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you're spreading the comments have just talked about Robin Lord. Mm. You know Panathinaikos was certainly a, a different move for yeah. him. But, but he's, you know, he was. Uh, for Lud, I've year, got a little bit of a little year. bit of a different opinion because the manager got sacked, you I know, think, so three games ago, and he because he, he he went to Panathinaikos, he got injured, he, like he played, I think, half a game, and then he got injured, and he was out for about two or three months. Then he came back, and then the manager changed, and since the manager's changed, he's not got into the team. So, I think that that kind of thing is is maybe bad luck, which you can sort of account for because that stuff that happens in football. Like I can't. When he went to Panathinaikos, I think yeah. there was a place for him in the team because they came and paid money. They didn't snap him up on a on a free and then try to fit him in or buy him as a backup player. I think they bought him 
with an eye to playing, but the manager changed. That happens. Hmm. But, but again, he's yeah. uh, certainly one who, you know, he spent that extra bit of time playing first team football. Um, he had a loan spell as well somewhere, didn't he? Um, in Finland. Did he? Oh, my things. I don't um, I'm sure someone will tell me. Um, but he, you know, matured into that player who became the player of the year because he had that time, he had the playing time and, you know, he earned his move. It wasn't based on yeah. YouTube yeah. or anything like that. You know, it was through consistent quality. So performances. I, we've been, we've been going now nearly, nearly an hour uh, again. Um, and I know we, we had on the, um, in our, in our thoughts, Mark, to talk about the Euro, um, no, sorry, the World Cup qualifying group and talk about that in a bit more detail. Maybe we should push that to the to the next episode and come back to that in the new year. Yeah, well, I think, in the, yeah, in the new year, I think we've got the Liga Cup and we've got European competition continuing. And, uh, and there'll be a fair few hooker on the move, including some some Vegas Liga guys. Hope to see Sergei Yeremenko come back. So there'll, there'll be a lot. We have time to go through the likes of Turkey and Iceland and all those other guys. I think another day. It's, um, you know, we've got, we've yeah. got nine yeah, look, yeah, exactly. He's got his and, Abu Dhabi test coming you know, up. We'll give, uh, we'll give back. And it's, it's, <laughs> nice, it's nice to see that Timo has just joined us, but I'm afraid Timo that we're, we're just yeah. about to, uh, <laughs> we're just about to say goodbye and go off the record for a few minutes. So, so how about if we just sign off now with a, uh, a reminder from me that the, <laughs> the podcast will be out in a few days time. If you go to your normal podcast player and uh, and search for Finnish football show you should find it there episode one is still there and you should find episode two as well um, from me Mark at Explore Finland thanks for joining us again this week from Mark at FC Suomi yes thank you very much yeah sticking your thumb up at the, uh, on an audio it's, podcast it's great radio it's great, it's great radio <laughs> <laughs> and Rich from Escape to Suomi yeah Merry Christmas and, and with that here comes our theme tune